Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Richard Listens podcast. I appreciate all of you for showing up and joining me as we meet yet another resilient, courageous human being. Today's guest is Mr. Dorsey Ross. Dorsey's story is moving and inspiring. Dorsey was born in 1977 with a congenital disability known as Apert syndrome. When Dorsey was born, his forehead was pushed forward and his nose and mouth were pushed inward and his fingers and toes were fused, meaning he had no individual movement of them. Doctors gave Dorsey's parents no hope for his survival and advised them to put him in an institution. His parents both knew and trusted in their higher power, and they believed that God would do great things in Dorsey's life. Throughout his life, Dorsey has had to overcome obstacles and trials, including being bullied, call names, and undergone multiple operations. Teachers told Dorsey he would not make it in college, and with all odds against him, he entered Queensboro Community College. After four years and after attaining an associate degree, he entered the University of Valley Forge. After hard work and perseverance, he graduated with a bachelor's degree in youth ministry. His life saying is, can't is not in my vocabulary, because for most of his life, he has never used the word can't. He believes with his higher power, all things are possible, and that he can do all things through faith, which gives him strength. It is with God's help he is overcoming life's obstacles. Dorsey is a minister, a motivational speaker, and author. Without further ado, let's welcome in Mr. Dorsey Roth. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, minister, speaker, author, Dorsey Ross, thank you so much for being here today and making time for us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So talk to us about where you are now. Are you practicing? Are you with the ministry? I know the pandemic has been hard on so many people. How are you managing? It definitely has been hard for me. I have my own ministry. I travel around and can share my story about what God has done in my life. I've been doing that now for 14 years. And as you said, with the pandemic and then 2020, it completely, you know, shut everything down. And I had a couple of meetings here and there. And hopefully now that things are starting to ease up a little bit, hopefully things will start to get back on track a little bit. Your journey, I mean, really moving and really heartfelt to hear, you know, what it's like to overcome these stories that we have about our lives and being told are worth. How do you teach about really important topics right now about bullying, about how people treat others? I mean, you know, especially at a time in the world when people are so stressed and confused, we're not always getting their best selves. Right. As a person of faith, I always turn to, you know, the Bible and just, you know, having to tell others, you know, that you know, I believe that I was creating God's image, that everyone on this earth is creating in the image of God, and he loves us, and he cares for us, and he created us as his masterpiece. And that, you know, regardless of what we look like, regardless of what we, you know, skin color, you know, nationality, whatever it might be, you know, we're creating in his image, and we need to, you know, love one another and be able to care for one another and just support one another the best that we can. Unfortunately, you know, because we live in a broken world and we live in a world of sin, sometimes that doesn't always 
happen. That's right. Your parents, were they highly involved in church? So did they have faith of their own or did they, you know, did they just introduce that to you as a child? They had a faith of their own. You know, and that's probably one of the biggest reasons why I'm here today and that I'm alive today is because of the, that faith that they had. You know, because when I was born, the doctors, because of my birth defect and my disability, the doctors told my parents, you know, look, your son isn't going to make it. He's not going to survive because I had no skull opening. My forehead was pushed out with my eyes and nose were pushed back in my head and my fingers and toes were fused together. And they said, you know, the best option that we can give to you is to put him into a institution. And my parents said, no, we're not going to do that. There's no way that we can give up on a son that God has given us. So I basically grew up in a in a faith-based home and I grew up in the church and I from the time I was a baby I started to go to I mean, what is it like for you to hear that strength from your parents and that love? You know, I, I think that has carried on, you know, from them to me. And that's the reason why I have the strength and the, and the faith that I do today. How instrumental were they in helping you get to college and then to pursuing your own ministry? My dad still is the best, you know, supporter that I have, the best fighter that I have for whatever I need. And from, you know, time I was small, they allowed me to, you know, figure out for myself what I could and could not do. And growing up, you know, I had a learning disability. I didn't do well in school. I didn't do well in certain classes. Math is not my best subject. And at the time, you know, rolled on and I started to go into in high school, I started to think about, you know, what would be the next step in the process of my life. And, you know, I thought about going to college. I, that was one of the big things that I wanted to try and see if I would be able to do that. And both of my parents were very supportive of that. They said, hey, if you want to try that and you want to see if you're capable of doing that, go ahead and try and see what could happen. And I had this meeting before I graduated because I went to a school for people with disabilities. And not every student that I went to school with was able to go on to college. Someone went on to live in group homes. Someone went on to live at home. Someone went on to college or they went on to find a job out in the, in the world. And at this meeting, the high school history teacher said to me, over at do you think that Dorsey will be able to make it in college? And he responded, no, I don't think that Dorsey will be able to make it in college. I don't think he has the ability to make it. Did he mean intellectually or did he mean socially? I think he meant intellectually, you know, because I was struggling so much in high school. I think he meant intellectually. Was that hard to hear? It was. It was hard to hear. You know, I, I couldn't understand, you know, from his standpoint, maybe where he was coming from. But even though he said that, that wasn't going to stop me from, you know, pursuing what it was that I wanted to do. And they asked my mom, she said, they asked her, what do you think? And she said, if Dorsey thinks he can make it in college, he will. <laughs> and I entered Queensborough Community College in August of 1996. And the first couple of weeks, you know, were rough. They were difficult. I would get sick at night. I didn't know anybody working on that campus of, you know, 2,000 students. 
know from when I was going to a high school or throughout school, knowing everybody, knowing everybody's name, knowing all the teachers' names, and then working into a campus of 2,000 students where I didn't know anybody. How did you make it through that time? I mean, that must have been so lonely and terrifying. The thing was, I had a discussion with my mom about the possibility of maybe even quitting and looking to do something else. Her advice was, you know, take it a few more weeks and, you know, if you're still struggling, if you're still not feeling comfortable there, then we'll look to see what else is out there. And I found out that they had a Kyofer Christian Club, which is like a weekly Bible study on that campus. And from the first time I went to that meeting till when I finished four years later, it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders because I knew that, hey, now I know people. Now I met new friends. I know people of the same faith. One of those guys that I met is still friends with me to this day. That's amazing. And I talk a lot about that with my clients, right? We talk on this podcast about that feeling like you have a tribe or a community that you're accepted. It reduces so much anxiety. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things. We need that tribe. We need that that community of people to to go through this world to work with us through the trials and the difficulties of life that we face. You know, we shouldn't be living each day alone, especially in this time of this pandemic, you know, where we can't, especially last year, where we weren't able to get together. We weren't able to talk to one another. You know, if you would have said to me two years ago, two and a half years ago, hey, let's have a Zoom meeting, I probably would have said to you, what's a Zoom meeting? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) So how did you cope, Dorsey? Because we know a lot of these situations that we deal with earlier in life, the pandemic kind of triggered the isolation again. How did you manage to stay resilient through this pandemic and to continue to help others and uplift them? Yeah, just by doing, you know, like I said, doing Zoom meetings, staying connected, being able to do the virtual church service, you know, attend attend that from my home, my home church, and then, you know, just starting my own podcast, my own, you know, bi-weekly podcast. I started that on a whim because somebody interviewed me for my story, and I was like, let me check this out, see what this is all about, and now, a year later, it's going, you know, really well. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. What is your podcast about? Where can people find it? I mean, people can find it on all, you know, podcasts location, Spotify, iTunes, pretty much anywhere people can find a podcast. And it's really a, I'm trying to make it an inspirational, encouraging podcast that anybody can listen to and anybody can get something out of it. I'm interviewing people of faith. It's not always about God. It is to, I'm not trying to witness to people. I'm not trying to bring them to faith. It's just, I'm interviewing people who have gone through stories and gone through difficulty of life and just, you know, trying to encourage everybody else. So the podcast is interviewing people who also inspire other people? Yes, correct. And it's just called the Dorsey Show. You've been planning that one for a long time, I think. I was. 
<laughs> I didn't know what else to come up with. <laughs> it works when your name is, you know, only a certain amount of letters. Mine, Olberger, is a little bit too long. That's why we have to go with Richard Listens. Right, there you go. So you've discovered the podcast uh, recording every other week. Are you also speaking? What have you been able to do to reach people? Uh, do you do it on Zoom? I don't usually do it on Zoom. I, I'm just trying to go to churches and speak publicly, services and things of that nature. In a couple of weeks, I'll be going on a live Facebook church service that they're having in a couple of weeks. So I'll be ministering that way as well. Do you travel around to churches throughout the country? I do. I've been all over the place. I've been to about 25 states already, a few hundred churches throughout the United States. About a month ago now, I had my first international Zoom call to the Philippines. <laughs> what time of day was it there? <laughs> it was 10 a.m. there, about 10 p.m. here. <laughs> so I'm doing a podcast tonight at 9 p.m. because I think that's 9 a.m. in Australia. Oh, wow. Okay. So I have to keep that straight. Right. <laughs> that's incredible. So what's that? feel like for you when you reach people on an international stage? It's awesome. Wherever God can use me and use my story, I'm open to that. What is the universe out? What are people curious about the most? What do they want to hear from you? What message? They want to hear my story of overcoming. They want to hear my story of overcoming the adversity that I faced in life. They want to hear the story of overcoming the, the bullying and the teasing and making fun of that I had to face in life and even to this day that I still face at times. How do you stand up to that? I mean, we're sensitive people and I mean, it's hard not to absorb others' negativity. How do you stay strong? What do you recommend for maybe even our younger listeners out there? How do you hold true to your belief and your knowledge about who you are when we're vulnerable people? Right, we are. And when I was younger and people would tease me or, or make fun of me, I was told, you need a thicker skin. You need to have that thicker skin on you. And I'd be like, I can't have that thicker skin on me. Like, you know, like you're saying, you know, we're vulnerable people. We're affected by what people say to us. You know, there's the old saying, you know, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That's not true because words do hurt us. Words That's will right. affect us in what people say to us. We need to realize who we are for ourselves. We need to realize who we are. I know not everyone has a parent or not everyone has the legal parent that they were born with, but we need to realize by what our friends say to us and by what our family members say to us, that's what matters. It matters by what our family says to us. It matters by what our close friends say to us. That's what matters by who we are. What anybody right. else says to us, that doesn't matter. Yes, it hurts. It hurts more about them and their own hatred right. or negativity. It's not, not our job to fix it if they're not ready to look at themselves in the mirror. Right. And there's another thing which is true, and it hurt people hurt people. That's right. That's right. When you're feeling bad and you're feeling guarded and defended and lashing out somehow makes you feel a little bit better than somebody else for a moment right it's a sad way to try and boost yourself up yeah we're not all conscious not everyone is conscious that they are blind to needing help and to their judgments 
Right. When you were a kid, you didn't have all these skills and tools. How no, did no. you manage all that? Was it your faith? Was it your community? Did you have to step on some people's toes? No, I don't think I stepped on anybody's toes. I don't recall. That was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was definitely my faith. And then it was definitely my support group of my parents, you know, my mom. You know, that's definitely who helped me. Pure beauty and kindness, right? It's that unconditional love, right? It's that oh, unconditional absolutely. acceptance. So it sounds like your mom's love and faith helped you to internalize that, to feel it. Yeah, absolutely. And so do you find more people are reaching out for your ministry now? More people are reaching out for help? No, unfortunately, no, for whatever reason, it's still me going to them. It's still me handing out emails and knocking on doors and making phone calls to try to get those speaking engagements and trying to get those people to, you know, pastors or youth pastors, whatever that may be, to have me to come in and, and speak. And that's part of the faith work, right? Some of the outreach. Yeah, definitely. Going to people. So it sounds like the pandemic gave you the gift of a podcast. Yes, it did. And international Zoom calls. Yes, right, exactly. There you go. What's your favorite state that you've been to? I really liked California when I went there. Because I went to Sacramento to speak. And that was an interesting way of me getting that opportunity. Because I didn't know who he was. But I was friends with this pastor on Facebook. I was like, let me just randomly send him a message on Facebook. And see what could happen and I did and I was like hey this is who I am I'm ordained my church and denomination you know this is what I do you know would you consider having me to come out and speak and he wrote back to me you know a couple hours later whatever it was and he was like hey you know what we're having a disability prom night with Tim Tebow Foundation in May we would love to bring you out you can go to the prom see what that's all about and we can have you, you know, visit Sacramento Saturday and then you can come and, and speak to the church on Sunday morning. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so what was that like? It was incredible. It was a great time. You know, first time I saw a disability. I've been to a prom before, you know, with myself for people with disabilities. But it was a different event, you know, a different type of event. They had people driving up in cars. They had a red carpet event. You know, they had people taking pictures. It was more, I won't say outlandish, but it was more, more like a paparazzi event type thing. <laughs> That's California for you. And what's your favorite place you visited, even just for fun while you were out there on the road? I really liked Ocean City, Maryland, which is what I'm closer to now. Not by much. I was originally living in New York, but now I'm in Pennsylvania now. I moved here in 2020. I'm a New Yorker, too. Okay. So you, you like the water? What did you like about Ocean City? I liked the water. You know, I liked the beach. I like, you know, seeing all the stores and the rides and everything that they have there. They're the cool, you know, type of place. Did you get to go on the rides? I didn't, no. <laughs> How about Disneyland? Have you been there yet? I didn't go directly into Disneyland, but I have been, like, in the park, but it wasn't, like, inside the park. I was there a couple of years ago for a uh, minister's conference. I was in Disneyland in Anaheim, and then this was when I was a kid. I was in, down in Orlando. I went to, I think it was Universal Studios that I went to for the while. So do you travel with any other pastors or any team, or you do it all on your own now? I do it all on my own. I'm a 
one man machine. Wow. Sometimes I wish I had people to go with me, but it's just me, myself, and I. So how do people find you, Dorsey? They find you on Podmatch. Where else do they find you? They find me on my website. You know, you can go to my website, www.dorseyrushministries.com. And on there, I have my, to my website, a link to my uh, podcast, a link to my, to find my book, my autobiography, and also a link to, you know, contact me if you want to send me an a note, send me a message, or even, you know, if you want me to come and speak. You see, so for any of our listeners who need to get some inspiration or inspire their clientele or their members of their spiritual organization, Dorsey likes to travel. So are any upcoming plans for the writing? No, I think for now, it's going to be just that one book for now. People have asked you... me that, you know, before, you know, you didn't write another book. I'm like, I think for now, I'll, I'll just stick to the one. Do you still see your parents regularly? My mom passed away in 2002. Oh. And my dad lived with me in my apartment in Pennsylvania. So you still see him? I do. <laughs> Every time I open my door. <laughs> Does he still go to church with you? No, not really. No, he's 90, so he likes to just stay home and, and rest and listen to his, you know, Christian music on his radio. That's nice. Do you have anyone that comes in and helps at all? No, nope, we're able to take care of ourselves. The Ross men are very independent. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, Doris, it's a true gift to get to meet with you and your, your patience and your follow-up. Has it led to a lot of different interesting people on there? I have. I met several different people on there, you know, that I was able to interview and they were able to interview me as well. That's how my interviews, you know, got started was because of Podmatch. And as of right now, I'm, you know, pretty much booked up, except for November and December because I'm taking time off. I'm, you know, booked up having guests on my show up until February. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. You hear that? You better act quick or you won't get a spot on Dorsey's show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dorsey, thank you so much for making time. And so much of what my clients struggle with is the stories we have about ourselves. We have about our origin, the stories about our value and our our lovability and acceptance and how if we could really work on that, then it could change the way we live the rest of our lives and the work we could do to help others. But until we do, it can be really painful. Absolutely. And so it's just so amazing that you are open and out there and willing to share your triumphs and your persistence, right? I mean, it says it sounds like it hasn't been easy and nothing's been quick, but it's been clear to you all along the way that faith and uh, caring for others had to be a part of the process. Definitely. Is there any one mentor or individual outside of the family that helped fire you? I think I've had some of my, you know, pastors along the way and people in Dirk that helped me, you know, along the way. And one of my pastors, he was my youth pastor and then became the associate pastor and he, you know, helped me, you know, tremendously with the ministry and said, hey, you need to go out and you need to do ministry. And even my my former pastor and, and the youth pastor who I know community college, they both helped me as well. You know, they were both, you know, big supporters of me and ministry as well. Even after going to community college, I went on to another five years of Bible college. That's the calling that I believed that I had on my life. I wanted to be a youth pastor. That's what, you know, I felt like what is what God wanted me to do. But obviously, God had something totally different in mind. And are you able to minister to youth now? 
I am. I do at times minister to to youth as well. When you're not on a Zoom call with the Philippines. Right, exactly. (laughs) It's really hard, right? When we discover we have a calling and a passion, but somehow we're presented with opportunities in a much different way. Right. (laughs) Well, it's a true honor and a pleasure, and I'm really grateful to you. We'll be listing your website uh, in the show notes. Any parting uh, words or messages for for our listeners today? Yeah, don't give up. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're going through, just keep pursuing, you know, and keep persevering in your life and know that that a new day is coming and you know at some point in our lives hopefully there's a lot going on right now the world doesn't look to be the happy place that we think it will that we think it is but hopefully one day this pandemic will at some point be lifted well let's hope the next time we speak uh, things are in a better place in the world and uh, I do think that right some of the beauty of this challenge has been that it's opened us up to connecting globally and our hearts are more open and more vulnerable and more looking to improve and get help and help each other. Definitely. Dorsey, my gratitude to you, my appreciation to you. Hopefully we can uh, roll out the red carpet for you in LA. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, I hope you were moved by that interaction and that guest. Dorsey Ross, I have gratitude for you and such appreciation for showing up, for persevering, for not listening to the negativity of others or even the doubts or fears of our doctors and those who mean well, but set limits perhaps on who we can can be or what our life can be. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I appreciate all of you. Please reach out to me on Instagram or if you or someone you know need help, Richard at richardlistens.com or 424-209-7234. Please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, direct message if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast. Until then, this is Richard and I'm out.